0: You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Amirani Perez-Chamu, the Hispanic Resource Center Coordinator for Tulsa City County Library. Let's get started. The Mental Health Download starts now.
1: Welcome everyone to the Mental Health Download. My name is Whitney Sapola, Mental Health Association, Oklahoma's advocacy specialist. Today, we will be chatting with Amirani Perez-Chamu regarding Latinx and Hispanic advocacy, especially through the lens of mental health. Amirani, thanks so much for joining us today. Could you tell us a little bit about the kind of advocacy work you're involved in that really centers or intersects with your
0: Latinx identity? Of course. Well, I am originally from Acapulco, Mexico. So my family immigrated here when I was seven. And ever since then, I've been very involved in the community, just trying my best to be a good advocate and a representative for the way that I wish somebody would have advocated for me when I was growing up. And so right now I work at the library. I'm the Hispanic Resource Center coordinator. And through that, I get to Provide resources for the Hispanic community and also for the Latinx community. And I'm able to buy the books. All of the books that I buy are in Spanish. And that way, people can have access to materials that the library owns in their own language. So, in that aspect, I get to work very closely with literacy and ensuring that people are able to, to read in their language and to have access to those resources. And then I'm also the executive director for Dream Align or Dream Action Oklahoma. We recently went through a name change. We used to be called Dream Alliance, but now we're Dream Action where we're working very closely with Dream Action Oklahoma in Oklahoma City. And they are actually sponsored by United We Dream, which is a national organization for immigrant rights. And through that, we work closely with DACA recipients, anything that has to do with like DACA applications recently with the new administration change you know they've started a lot of executive orders that will hopefully give a pathway to citizenship for a lot of young people and folks that just are living here undocumented and you know that could completely change their lives and so that's what I mainly do and that's sort of how it intersects I'm working very closely with with the Latinx community here in Tulsa.
1: That's fantastic. Would you mind educating me a little bit more about what it means to be documented or what the significance DACA holds for someone who wasn't born um, in the United States?
0: Yes. So there is an executive order that was signed by President Barack Obama, and it gave a pathway for DREAMers, or as so uh, they're called, to be able to have a work permit and deferred action from deportation for two years. And so with that, people who in previously couldn't do things like go to college or have a job, now they're now able to have all of that. And so that's sort of how that being documented goes into play. Gotcha. And so these people
1: who are documented, for the most part, these are children who were brought to the United States. Is that a big component of the DACA
0: yeah 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 it is we have a lot of students because when the program was started it was mainly students that could apply because they have to be going to a, a college or they have to have graduated from high school so that there's that education component which a lot of older older individuals didn't have in by the time that you could apply you had to be at least 15 Gotcha. So what unique
1: barriers or roadblocks do you see Latinx and Hispanic people coming up
0: against when they try to advocate? I would say that it's because a lot of our community is undocumented. We have a lot of people that are living in fear and they're scared that if they start advocating for themselves or for their community that they're going to face deportation or like there's this big fear of authority, legal authority, because we don't have any, or I say we, because my parents are also undocumented. And so having that very personal tie, I sort of understand all that's that people are going through. But because of that, they're afraid that if they speak out, if they if they let anybody know that they're here in the country without any documents, that they would be, you know, put on a list or that the government will start targeting them and it's something that's very real too because with the public charge rule which if individuals that are undocumented even though they have children that are citizens if they ask for things like welfare or access to federal assistance then they're already being targeted as not eligible for citizenship if they were to ever start that process. So it's something that, you know, the government knows, and they, they try as much to silence that. And so for a lot of undocumented people, the only advocacy is through other individuals that are documented. And that's sort of what what a lot of that community has done is that we're trying to give platforms to those that are afraid of, of coming out as undocumented. Even with Dream Action Oklahoma, a lot of our advocacy efforts, we focus directly on doing actions for those that have been detained.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And sort of once we cross those barriers, then we can start helping people that you know maybe have not been able to speak out They're now able to have a platform to say what's going on, what they're experiencing, and they won't feel like targets to the government.
1: Mm. Yeah, that that sounds like a really amazing work that you are doing. I'm thinking back to when I was teaching and I had a student who confided that she was undocumented and so were her parents and she just felt like she didn't have a voice because not only did she feel like her citizenship status was being held over her head, but that her viewpoints and her just feedback on the community she's a part of didn't matter because she wasn't a citizen. And I saw how that impacted her. How, How would you say this impacts Hispanic and Latinx folks in terms of their mental health when they're living in a community and so much a part of it? but they also have this dual feeling of I'm not wanted here and my voice doesn't matter. How does that weigh on someone?
0: I've got a great answer for you because I experienced that completely. The the example you just gave about being a teacher when I was growing up and I didn't get DACA status until I was about 17. And so There was a a long portion of my life where I was undocumented and didn't have any protections. And one of the things that I really was passionate about was education. But because I knew that I was undocumented, I I was going to either have to find a lot of private scholarships. The road just didn't seem very easy, but I knew I wanted to go to college. So I had to start confiding in teachers and start letting them know about my, my status. It was so dreadful to have to sit there and wonder if I tell them, are they going to be against me? Or are they going to look at me differently? And that just takes me back to one of the good examples of what it truly feels like to be undocumented and to not have that trust, that trust with people that they might target you or they might let somebody know that you're undocumented and so it goes back to to mental health we have such high rates of depression and suicide too suicide is something that the rates for that in the latinx community i was just reading some statistics and for women they're super high they just experience this sadness of being perpetual foreigners. There's this book uh, by Paola Ramos called Finding Latinx. I was just through the HRC, uh, the Hispanic Resource Center, I was able to have a talk with her. And in that book, she's talking so much about the rates of mental health in the Latinx community, and they are so high. And so I was going back to that idea of being perpetual foreigners and that they never truly feel like They're a part. They belong. It's like we're in this space where we are not from here, but we're also not from over there. And that just affects a lot of our way of living, the way that we see ourselves. And it's just a part of not not being represented. And that also goes back to advocacy in that we're not yet able to express our needs. And It's also taboo for mental health in the Latinx community to have those issues. And just advocating for mental health has been a really big problem too.
1: Yeah, I think that's all really enlightening and makes sense if we think about it. It had me thinking of a few things. One, when you're trying to figure out who you can tell about your status, it almost drew some parallels for me for having to come out of the closet and I guess in its own form it's very much like that with sexual orientation or gender identity because it's something you've been taught to hide and feel ashamed of and you have to gauge can I tell this person will it be okay. And then the other thing that you said that really got me thinking, and this is a little off script, but the work you do with the library and how important that is, because I was a sixth grade English teacher and another one of my students who identified as Hispanic and Latinx said, "Miss Apola, I wish I had light skin like you did. And that broke my heart. And I know a big part of that was because... A lot of the books she was surrounded by, the characters didn't look like her, and they were always, I mean, a lot of kids throughout the the state are told to read in English, and that feels like, you know, a knock against their potential native language, and makes that feel less than two. So I would love to hear how you could see how literacy can also act as advocacy, because I love the work that you're doing at the library, too.
0: Yes. Actually, for one of our events, we recently had Jacqueline Woodson, who is both a children's author and also a literary author. And she was talking about her identity. She has this book called Descubres Quien Eres, The Day That You... Well, it translates to the day you discover who you are. And it talks about like this young girl who is just who she realizes that she doesn't feel represented that in her community, that she just doesn't feel like she's a part of it. And she slowly starts meeting people that make her realize, oh, I'm actually like, you know, there's actually other people out there like me. And so, you know, in my work, I get to work with, with a lot of our community and they're able to tell me like, hey, you know what? It would be great if we could have these types of books in the library. And I myself have been discovering like what type of books the community needs because it's, it's really hard for me to do that selection process. But I always try to get books, especially children's books that have a lot of representation. And it's hard sometimes because you know there's such a lack of just access for authors of color to put their books out there and to navigate that publishing industry. But to those that can actually like make it and they get their book published, it makes a difference. And you see that a lot just representation wise, children who feel represented, they're going to feel more like they belong. And I think for me, that was something growing up that I also struggled with just never seeing myself reflected in anything and I'm glad that things are changing that people are advocating more for representation and literacy and so it's just something that I've been I've as somebody that gets to select the books it's nice when I can find a book that's about like young children of color that are being represented because I know that somebody is going to read that and they're going to see themselves in that book. Absolutely.
1: And stories are just how we make sense of the world. So I love that work that you're doing. Shifting gears a little bit, I know you talked about some like larger scope issues that your organization works with. Are there any local to, we're in Tulsa, but are there any local or state level issues that you would really want to highlight for our listeners so that they're aware of?
0: Yes. So with my organization, Dream Action Oklahoma, we recently released a a campaign called Release Them Now, where we're focusing on 287G contracts in, in Oklahoma jails. And what happens with those is that when people are picked up for like a minor offense, say a speeding ticket, maybe they were parked incorrectly on the road or something, and they're taken to jail, but they're not able to be released on bond, they're being held on ice holds, which makes it impossible for them to get any case or for them to get like a jury date because immediately the US Marshals are called in. So when that happens, we're trying to make it so that they can post bond and they can get released. And especially with the COVID exposures right now, like people are in there, they're being exposed to the virus and we don't get to know anything about safety protocols, just the way that they're housed. So we started the campaign to uh, bring awareness to what 287g is doing in our jails where it's profit over people and we're hoping that more people will start contacting like their city counselors their city commissioners and letting them know that this is something that's affecting the community very heavily but i also think you know mental health is also something that we should bring more awareness to just the rates amongst the hispanic and latinx community are very high and being able to have access to therapists would be great.
1: Yeah. And I'm thinking too, even bilingual therapists, because I know for a lot of the kiddos I taught, maybe my kids spoke Spanish and were bilingual. They spoke Spanish and English, but many of their parents were just Spanish speakers and they would have to be translating for their own families to get access
0: to the conversation. Right. And I I had to go through that too. It's, it's a process of not having like access to, to, to interpreters, to translators. And then the children are sort of put at a strain of having to constantly interpret. And they themselves, like the term parentification comes to mind where it's actually like children that, are, that have to be that third parent because you know they're calling the billing companies they're calling the school, they're dealing with the landlords, they're being faced with situations as adults when they're young. And so that puts a strain on them even when they're older. So
1: yeah, I have never heard that term parentification. But I I think that's so true. I really like that you bring that up, because that's an additional um, weight that these a lot of kids are carrying in our state. They're having to do very adult things and also translate very technical language like at a young age i probably couldn't have adequately understood like talking to a gas company or talking about a specific medical condition so so what what do you personally do knowing that there are these barriers knowing that there are areas that our state could improve on when it comes to hispanic and latinx just access in general. What do you do to take care of yourself and prevent burnout to make sure that you and your well being are the priority when there's
0: so much to be done? That is a great question because I am burning myself out a lot. And I have had to ask myself, like, what do I do how do I make sure that I'm taking care of myself and it's still a process for me I'm definitely not at a hundred percent on on doing that there are many times when I find myself struggling with you know how many assignments I'm taking on just how much I'm doing and I know for sure that it's hard for a lot of our Latinx folks in the community to do it because, they often don't have the privilege of having things like breaks or being able to take a few days off from work. I feel like I'm very privileged in that I'm through the work that I do, I'm able to to have access to to all of these ways and self-care methods that a lot of people in my community don't. And so what what I think for me has been the best in preventing burnout is having somebody there as support, like friends. I have had to rely on a lot of friends. I have to rely on my wife, too, sometimes to let me know or just take me out of that space to go out and go for a hike or do something that's going to feed back into me and into, like, my connection with with the world around me. So I... I think the outdoors for me has been the best recipe for like a bad day going on a walk has completely changed me. And especially with the pandemic, it's the only place where we feel that sense of normalcy. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And yes, we still have to take a mask and everything, but it's nice to breathe in that fresh air and to remember that we're still connected to the world, even though right now we feel very disconnected.
1: Yes. Well, I think that you touch on the disconnected point. It's very poignant right now because of COVID, but maybe in this post-COVID world, how can people in Oklahoma get involved with some of these causes, whether they are Latinx or maybe they're not Latinx, but just supportive and want to be an
0: ally? What are ways for folks to plug in? I would start with United We Dream is an organization that we work very closely with. They're, they're national, they, they're having webinars almost weekly. They're having trainings. They're constantly releasing information on what is going on in our Latinx community, not just in Oklahoma, but around the country. And especially with the change of administration, there's going to be a lot of legislation changes and a lot of change in a lot of our branches. And for them to just get plugged in as to what's going on, United We Dream is a great resource for them to get started in the immigration rights advocacy stuff. And then locally in Oklahoma, we have Dream Action Oklahoma. So I get to do my own plug, but we have Dream Action Oklahoma. We're one of the local immigrant rights organizations. So in like our campaign that we just released, release them now. We're going to be doing a lot of work locally, maybe some actions later throughout the, throughout the year. And so we want people to stay involved. We want them to start contacting their county commissioners. There's just a lot of ways. We're also getting ready to just do some civic engagement, some advocacy efforts, and also some stuff in the arts. When I first got started with uh, Dream Action Oklahoma, just as a member, one of the things that we did was take videos of individual stories, and we did a, a video project. It was like a documentary series, and they were able to let people know what it was like to be undocumented. So we're hoping to bring those types of projects back, and so if people are artistic, if they Uh, like advocating more, there's always something that they can get plugged into. And Dream Action Oklahoma is a great place to start too. We also have New Sanctuary, New Sanctuary Network that's run by Linda Allegro here in Oklahoma. And she is constantly needing volunteers who would like to translate, who would like to maybe take somebody on a, a ride to Oklahoma City. And so there's just different ways that you can get plugged in into the immigrant rights organization work here.
1: Fantastic. I'll definitely be checking some of those resources out myself. Well, this is second to last question. We like to ask our guests, if you had a magic wand and could wave it to instantly improve outcomes and just overall well-being, mental health, what would you do?
0: That is a tough question but i think i would i would change the perspective on mental health i would i would change how a lot of our community has been socialized to feel like mental health is something that they shouldn't be proud of you know we all have our struggles but when it comes to community it's a lot of it is very hush hush you know we're afraid that if we go to the doctor, then we're gonna get put on pills and they see that as a bad thing. But when I was growing up, I always got this this analogy of some people need glasses to see and that's exactly the way it is with mental health. In order to function, in order to see things and to have that same level of tools and help that everybody else has You might need some extra assistance, and that's something that's okay. It's not something that needs to be taboo or kept secret. So I think I would definitely make it so that there's a better better understanding of mental health and a more positive perspective on it.
1: I love that. Well, Amirani, I wanna thank you so much for giving us your time and expertise today. I'm going to let you close out and just share any thoughts or calls to action you want to leave our audience with, or if we missed a topic that is very important to you, feel free to include that in here as well, but I'll leave it to you to close us out.
0: I think starting with mental health, You know, one of the, I was recently on a call, and we were talking about mental health in the Latinx community. And one of the things that they discussed was that there's this culture of suffering in our community where individuals would rather suffer than reach out for help, because we come from a culture of sacrifice, where, you know, we have a lot of undocumented folks that have risked their lives trying to get here to the United States or to other countries and they have been socialized that you know they have to sacrifice they have to suffer it's just something that we do and it's that's not always the case we do have access to resources and are able to go to therapy or you know go to the doctor and Not everybody has that privilege, but if you have it, it's important to to do it and to to make sure that you're taking care of yourself so that you can help others in, in return. And I have to remind that to myself a lot, putting yourself first and putting your health first. And hopefully as we, you know, the new administration is coming in, they have a lot of new changes for immigration policy and hopefully... You know there's more access to resources it changes a lot of people's lives when when they can go to the doctor for the first time or you know go see a therapist for the first time so i'm just hopeful that things will will change that the vaccines are coming out and that more people will have access to those and that you know, all, all that information is also in Spanish so that a lot of our community can also have access and, and be able to, to take advantage of, of everything that's coming out. But yes, thank you so much for inviting me to come on the podcast and for giving a good highlight on Latinx issues and what's going on.